Hi, I'm Amber Cook. Welcome to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. Join me every Wednesday for open, honest, inspiring, and healing conversations with people who face their own health and life challenges, worked through them, and now are on a mission to help you live a healthier, more fulfilling life. My hope is that at each episode leaves you more empowered and inspired, no matter where you are on your life and healing journey. Before giving you a little teaser of what's to come in this episode today with my guest, Kimberly Spencer, I wanted to fill you in on some temporary changes to the podcast. If you're in my Facebook group, The Dragonfly Connection, you already know what's up. But for those of you that haven't joined yet, or maybe you've forgotten, this is your reminder. Starting now until the beginning of September, I will only be releasing new episodes every other week instead of weekly, giving you longer to listen and me longer to edit and produce. It's summertime, friends, officially, I think. And my main focus this summer is enjoying time with my daughter and continuing to focus on my mental health. There's a ton of sadness going on in the world right now, and I plan on countering it with lots of joy. And I hope you're able to do the same thing this summer. I also really feel the need to protect my energy right now, and I don't want to go into the fall feeling burnt out. I'd love to know what you have going on this summer. How are you taking care of yourself and protecting your energy? Join me and other fans and podcast guests in the Dragonfly Connection community and let us know. And if you're needing more support on your healing journey, it's a great resource to be a part of. The link to join is in the show notes. And speaking of the show notes, let's get on with it. Kimberly Spencer is an award-winning, high-performance, trauma-informed coach and trainer, Amazon bestseller, TEDx speaker, and the founder of crownyourself.com. From her entrepreneurial beginnings at five selling bags of glitter water to her neighbors, and we will talk about that in this episode, to becoming an award-winning screenwriter, certified Pilates instructor, Miss Congeniality, real life, Kimberly is proof that it's better to make your own mold than to conform to someone else's. And we talk a lot about that in this episode, along with her own healing journey, the mother wound, and the father wound drama, triangles, and so much more good stuff to help you on your life and healing journey. Kimberly's work has been featured on Netflix, The CW, ESPN, Chicken Soup for the Soul, NPR, Thrive Global, CNBC, and Forbes. And I am so honored to have her part of the Dragonfly Connection now. I should also mention that something weird happened with my mic during this recording because it's definitely a little off, but I don't think it'll ruin your experience. If anything, it might make it more memorable. I know that you can't see me, but I'm totally crossing my fingers. And please, if you're thinking about dinging my reviews because of it, please don't. Instead, I'd love for you to share with your friends and leave a review about the wonderful content rather than my mic error. And again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for all of your support. Enjoy. This episode is sponsored by HealingWays.com. Find a holistic wellness professional and resources to help you on your healing journey. That's HealingWaze.com. Kimberly, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. I already know that I've made a new friend, and I think my listeners are going to feel the same way at the end of this conversation. So thank you. You are so welcome. I, I am so excited to have met your acquaintance and to have made a new friend as well. Yes, yes. And we finally got here. <laughs> yeah, it's been a journey, but we're here. And you've been out of the country and my time, time frame didn't work. So where are you right now? I'm in Los Angeles right now. So we got okay. conveniently stuck in Australia for two years. And and I, and I say stuck in air quotes because okay. it was a choice. Um, we had the opportunity to fly home and I thought, I turned to my husband and I was like, how long could this last? <laughs> like in 2020? <laughs> And I, yeah, and we were okay. in March in 2020, we were hanging out at my husband's a voice actor. And so we're at a convention, we were flown down there for the, this convention with the mm -hmm. walking dead, which I thought okay. was incredibly ironic with the pandemic breaking out. I was like, yes. this is funny. And my husband and I, we've always had the vision. We've been together for uh, almost 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And we always had the vision to live abroad, to raise our kids abroad so that they learn from the diversity of culture and experience, not from a textbook. Yeah. And we thought, you know, we're here. It's gorgeous. Pretty much everything in Australia because of the currency exchange, we get a 20 to 30% off <laughs> like discount. And yeah. I said, you know, what if we just stayed? And we just kind of played with the idea for a couple of days. And then I was like, the more I let that 
idea stay with me, the more I was like, no, we could really do this. Like this could be really fun. Mm-hmm. And my husband, we were walking and he's like, oh, I, I, he's like, I'm 90% there. And I said, as a team, you have to be a hundred percent on board or we will go mm-hmm. home. I said, even if you're 99% there, if you have even one shred of doubt, we, I, I will not stay. I said, I'm a hundred percent. I think that we can do this. I think that I know my business is in a place to support this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know because his industry was completely shifting and he's, he had location-based work t- typically. Yeah. Um, and I said, I know I can support us and I know we can do this and let's go. And he said, but I said, take the time. I said, you have till the end of the day. He went, he took an hour for himself, came back and he was like, yeah, like, yeah, let's do this. And so we've always talked about living in Australia and we just fast-tracked our timeline. I had it on my Trello board of goals for 2027. We just sped it up. So that was that was really the joy and we got to stay there for two years and we were in the, the good part of Australia, not the part that most of Americans heard about where I had mm-hmm. people messaging me like, are you guys okay? And I was like, we're great. We live two blocks away from the beach and like oh. we can walk to the beach every day. And it was it was beautiful. Yeah, where we lived, it was like... It was not a problem. Um, <laughs> we were we were all good. They they weren't the ones with all the the craziness, but we stayed there for two years. Sadly, my dad passed while I was there, and then uh, my aunt and my nana passed as well. Oh my gosh! Well two family friends, and within the span of a year of twenty January twenty twenty one to January twenty twenty two, and I said, I I think we need to go home. I said, I, yeah. I need to support my mom a bit and just be with her because it was it was her husband, her sister, her mom. Like, Oh, my gosh, your poor mom. So uh, we yeah. came back here in January and then navigated that trans- – moving with four children because we had another one while we were over there, best souvenir ever. <laughs> um, and – we across countries with all the restrictions and like I was so nervous about the 24-hour testing thing to fly in and yeah because I was like we got four chances to get it like right but we also have four chances to get it wrong (laughs) unfortunately we actually all got COVID at the beginning of January and I I couldn't have got out of the way I was as soon as I got sick I was like yes this is it we've been preparing for this <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, yeah, so, so we got funny. our test so we didn't have to do a 24-hour test cuz we we'd had it. Mm-hmm. And so we got the the confirmation from our the doctor there like a week later and literally had one week before we flew out after getting confirmation from the doc like it was it was very fast and it was the entirety of staying in Australia was in a a trust exercise with the universe yeah. to be able to connect and tap into our intuition. And I had told my husband back in November, I said, I have a feeling that in February or like late January, February, something big is going to shift. I said, I don't know if that means we're going to be going home or if that means we're going to be like upgraded here. Like, because we had talked about moving into a different unit, a different space, maybe buying a house. Yeah. So we ended up moving home and it was, it was a, it was a great journey. Two years, just beautiful beaches and like mm. my my son got to experience Australian culture. That was nice. Fun. Yeah. So fun. What an adventure. How amazing that you got that opportunity. And now you're back in the States and you said home is LA. Home is, is LA. Yep. Okay. Nice. I just actually got back from LA last week for a little trip to Hollywood and Universal Studios to take my 10 year old daughter who's obsessed with all that right now. Oh, Harry Potter world. Hi, Harry Potter, and just, you know, all the movie star stuff she's just really, really into, so. Oh, nice. Um, Yeah, so it was super fun, great weather. There are definitely some things that I really love about LA, and then then there's the driving. (laughs) (laughs) The driving, the traffic, and yeah, yeah, there's... There's some pieces that I love about LA, like yeah. the weather, and then mm. there's some pieces that I, I don't 100% love. Like I, I definitely, this is not a place that I intend on staying. Mm-hmm. I don't feel really inspired here. I feel mm. it's it's weird, but I feel like LA is like my small town. Um, not that I need, not that I'm looking to actually move to a big town. I'm actually looking to move to a smaller town, but uh-huh. um, something with some space and some land because I'm like, ah, oh, this is kind of like everyone knows me. They, they know who I was. They don't know who I'm becoming. Mm. And typically, like, 
when you're on that journey of growth and exponential growth, yeah. um, like I think, you know, the past two years kind of threw us into some exponential growth Yeah, that the, the person who you are is not going to be the person who you started out being. And I mean, I can definitely say I'm not the person who I was two years ago. And yet, like, I, I think the environment that you are in reflects that. So it's, I feel, I, t- I told my husband, I said, it feels like everything is kind of like the big bang, like in that movie, the theory of everything, he's coming up with a theory and it's like everything is swirling back to its point of origin. So we swirled back to our point of origin to like explode even bigger, yeah. which is what I, which is legitimately what I feel. But we like just it, the spiraling of the past three months of moving, moving back home, moving our storage unit, moving my out of the things out of my grandma's house and all that. So like moving three times in three months is a lot. Um, But being able to to move those pieces out and incorporate like what we want and clear out clutter and like make some space and and it's coming back to that like dense matter period and then Mm -hmm. we're gonna just explode into like massive fireballs of awesome impact and energy. energy oh i love it okay so we on this conversation today are going to talk about who you were who you are and who you're becoming and how that's going to help other people who are going through you know similar and different experiences but i agree with you like if you're when we're up leveling or whatever words you want to use just totally changing our lives you know the environment has to to support that. And it will reflect your identity. Yeah, definitely. So first of all, I want to talk about who you were. I read on mm. your website that your first entrepreneurial venture was at five when you it were selling was. bags of glitter water to your neighbors. So I just want to start with that cute little story. Tell me about that. Yeah. So my first, I started out, I sold so many things. I sold like bags <laughs> of glitter, water, which is, it is what it is. It's it's a plastic bag with water in it, with glitter in the water. Like <laughs> you can't drink it, but yeah. I thought it was a hot day in LA. How nice would it be to like refresh yourself with sparkles? And <laughs> we sold, we sold it split testing price points for five cents or $50. Um, no one purchased for the 50. So we saw which one sold, uh, <laughs> much to my <laughs> chagrin. <laughs> and, uh, me and my, I grew up on a street with a lot of kids and mm. all ended up starting their own businesses. So that's cool. It, there was always that entrepreneurial like vibe. Like I did that. And I also would like corral the kids in the community together to put on backyard productions because there's one thing that you can make money from it is putting on a play or a dance or a recital with kids because the parents will always buy a ticket like yes. i'm like i'm going to this event for my son and it is, it's a big dance recital i'm like okay so i'm buying all the costumes the tickets and i've been paying for the dance classes i'm like this is this is a serious like solid business model <laughs> <laughs> my daughter's into dance and i think that every year yep <laughs> the same exact thing i'm like Damn, they know what they're doing. Yeah, solid <laughs> business model. And so I, I was doing that, but I, I was blessed to grow up in a household with two entrepreneur parents mm. who were the black sheeps of their family, in essence, because okay. my mom's side of the family was very formal education, um, collegiate education. And while she had her, she got her master's, she was she was the first one to really jump into starting her own business. It was really fun cleaning out my grandma's house. I found her first little note of like, this is my note on my new stationery. I'm starting my new business. Oh, that's <laughs> so cool. It was so cool. I said, we're told going to frame that because then my dad started his tree business and I watched over the course of 30 years my dad and mom not being perfect and my dad with a serious crippling debility of what you would an Achilles heel which was alcohol Mm, um, mm -hmm. and yet still be able to build a multi-million dollar business in the span of 30 years and I said well if they could do that in 30 with serious challenges mm-hmm. of leadership with my with my dad and his alcoholism and addiction yeah. then what could i do in 10 <laughs> yeah without and that was those... the mentality that i really yeah without those crutches or mm-hmm. yeah and and also without the the guilt and shame and struggles that my dad was going through but mm, fortunately yeah. i was able to um 
have a lot of compassion because I realized that in the the growth stage of my parents' business, which mine is very similarly where theirs was um, when they were growing as well, when when I was my son's age, the growth stage and my dad lost both his parents at this at the time that I did. And being able to see that and recognize that like he had the tool of alcohol. That was the only way that he knew how to cope. And I had a very complex relationship with my father. There mm-hmm. was a lot of abuse in every way. I want to I want to stop you right there. Yeah. I, I have a question about that. So I always ask my guests what their favorite episode was just so to like see, like, have you actually listened? Do you know what you're getting yourself into? And you said the mother wound episode, which was one close to my heart because that was a solo one. And those are always like, really the hardest for me it's like just so vulnerable but you said I'm going to quote what you said because it's awesome and this kind of relates to what you were yeah. just getting ready to say so because right now both the father wound which I was like oh my god I didn't even think about the father wound you said both the father wound and the mother wound are being called forth for healing and sometimes especially with my father wound being so apparent early on it wasn't until years later that I recognized the healing still needed from my mother wound. We're going to talk about that right now. Before we talk about how you help others shift their mindsets, mm-hmm. tell me kind of the short version of just what you were getting ready to talk about, like this, this story about your dad and how it, it led you to where you are now helping other people with their wounds. Yeah. So my, my dad was a very amazing, generous man when he was mm-hmm. sober, mm-hmm. which unfortunately was... 18% of the time. Okay. My dad could get addicted to anything. It he literally got addicted to eating apples. Like lit, could get addicted to anything. You sound um, like you're talking about my dad, by the way. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm totally relating to this. Yeah. Yeah. And alcohol was the big one that I was like, I don't care if you smoke pot. Opioids I had a problem with and eventually mm-hmm. had to get him out of the psych um, ward for because he was go- de- decreasing his opioids um, without medical super- su- surveillance and was having suicidal ideations and was put in the psych ward back in 2019, also processing the loss of his brother. So like there was a lot of loss, grief, guilt, shame that my father was processing um, mm-hmm. that he never really healed. And I mean, the grief and guilt that can come from hurting your child. I wouldn't wish that on any parent. And for me, I have such compassion for him now because I know that he was abused as Mm -hmm. a child and his mother was abused as a child. And so there's a reason why it's called a cycle. Yeah. But the thing is, is with both the father wound and the mother wound, the father wound when it's an abuser is very apparent. Like we know, oh, you're the, we could label it the bad guy, but I don't like to think in that drama triangle. Are you familiar with the term, the drama triangle? No. Oh, it's, oh, I forget. Ask the about that. Oh my gosh. I, the psychologist who came up with this, he developed it back in 1969 and I am blanking on his name, mm, but it is, called it, the, it is called the drama triangle where there is when in whatever role you're in, it's, um, you're stuck in drama. So mm-hmm. there's the victim, which everything happens to them. It's not their fault. They're, you know, they're the one who's hurt. They're the one who has had done things, had had things done to them. There's the villain who's the abuser. And I've noticed this, especially with high achievers, we can be particularly good at putting ourselves in the villain role Mm. of being the one who so doesn't want to be the victim that will be the villain of our own life and take on not only all the responsibility that it's all our fault. So we won't allow them their own learning journey. Mm -hmm. As I told one of my clients who was struggling still with seeing his ex-wife after their divorce, just still not leaning into her purpose and like loving her life. And I was like, well... You can take 100% of your responsibility, but if she's still blaming you 10 years down later, that's that. those last 10 years are kind of on her. Like, yeah. she's got to take ownership for that time. But he was putting himself in the in the villain role. Like, oh, it's my fault that she's there. It's my fault for divorcing her and and all of yeah. the, that experience. And, I, and that's, that's where we put ourselves in the villain role. And then there's mm-hmm. the hero role. And that was a role that I regularly jumped into with my father of – racing him to the hospital to save him and, you know, uh, to getting him out of the psych ward and putting him into rehab. And like, like I would strap on my hero cape and all right, Kimmy to save the day. Mm-hmm. And that was the one role that I chose not to lean into in the last uh, six weeks of his life. I 
was pregnant in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I knew that by making that choice and I had, a, I'd had a gut instinct when I said goodbye to my parents, cause they had come on over to Australia to visit us that right before the, everything shut down. Mm-hmm. And he, I had a feeling that it would be the last time that I would hug my dad. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to go back. And it was funny. One of my cousins actually said, you know, if you get stuck there, you won't be able to go back for a funeral. I said, yeah, I understand that. Mm-hmm. And when my dad got sick, I just kind of had a gut instinct that if he went to this one specific hospital, he wasn't coming out. And he ended up going to that hospital and didn't come out. That experience was incredibly healing because I was able to grieve and I was pregnant. So I couldn't, I didn't have any, you know, vices that I could slip into because I was nurturing <laughs> a, a, a growing baby, which yeah. I was actually very grateful for. As my, my son's name is Colton, which means Colton Christopher. It means from the dark town into the Christ light. And awesome. so it's, he's, he's my little light. He's amazing. Um, but it has the funniest facial expressions, <laughs> like an old man. <laughs> but, uh, but so the thing is, is that when you're dealing with that drama triangle, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to flip it, and this is what I do with my clients, yeah. is the victim can become the creator. That once the victim shifts the story from everything's happening to me to everything's happening for me, so how can I use this as a tool for my greatness? How can I use this to serve? The villain can become the challenger where they're the disruptor. They're the one who gets to disrupt the generational patterns, and that's what I'm here for, like breaking down the patterns of of abuse that have happened, mm-hmm. and the, the buck stops with me. And then the hero change, transforms into the coach. Mm-hmm. Where no longer is the hero in a codependent relationship with the victim or the villain, where the coach is now empowering the creator and empowering the disruptor to be able to do their disruption and their creation and guide the two because the two are synergistic. Creation always follows destruction. But that's how you escape the drama triangle. Is it easy? Not always. <laughs> like, it's nice in theory, but the practice of it is a day-to-day thing mm-hmm. in, in all our relationships. But recognizing yeah. where you are in that drama triangle is very key. And so when you have an abusive relationship where there's mm-hmm. an, an abuser, it's very easy to put, oh, I'm the victim. That's the abuser. Here we are in this little drama triangle. Mm-hmm. And it's comfortable. And it's right. very it's easy. It's very easy easy and it's familiar. It may not feel necessarily easy, but it's familiar. And there's a certain amount of pain that's tolerable Mm -hmm. that you get accustomed to. So it's very easy to see, oh, that's the person that's the bad guy. And I'm not saying that my dad was a bad guy. Like he did some bad things. But being able to recognize that that identity role is not something that they have to live into for the rest of their lives. The thing that sometimes gets faded into the background is the codependent. The person who was there, who was a part of it, but not an active participant. The person who was there, but didn't stand up. Mm. The person who was there, but didn't leave. Yeah. And that was really the part that that I am still honestly working on healing with my my mom mm-hmm. of recognizing and, and being on that journey of seeing how it, I've I've been able to I, I forgave my dad I forgave him years ago, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until recently in the past few years that I was like, wow, my mom actually had a pretty heavy impact on me. But she was so muted in the background next to the chaos of my father. I didn't that the impact was subtle. It was subterfuge in, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so, and so, being able to see that, recognize it, and start to heal it is is where we're at now, and it's it's going well. Good. So, yeah, that's what I want to ask you about is your healing then, because you took on this role for sounds like a long time as the hero, which can be really, really heavy. And on top of just being um, on the receiving end of the neglect and abuse, when did things shift for you to get you to this point? Like, what did you do? What, what was there an aha moment? Many, I mean, there's always many. Usually. Like, the, yeah, there's many aha yeah. moments. I think the big one for me, what the biggest one that actually enacted change mm-hmm. was one, I had to start healing myself. So it was when my mom actually chased me up the stairs to stop me from throwing up my food because mm. I beha- I modeled the behavior of my parents, which was escapism and codependency through bulimia, not okay. through alcohol or addiction. My mom was very skilled at like 
putting her head in the sand and ignoring the problem and like, oh, it just doesn't exist. We're just going to pretend like it's not there. I'm just not going to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And that was like, for me as an Enneagram 8 challenger, I'm like, there's something wrong with this. There's like, this is, yeah. anyone notice there's a problem? <laughs> like right. an elephant. It, was, and it probably like, felt really huge and heavy on you. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you get those kind mom. of feelings that it's like, it wasn't intentional gaslighting, but like, am I crazy? Like, am I wrong? Yeah. Like, is my gut intuition? Like, is everything that I'm saying that I, everything that I feel wrong? And no, it wasn't. But I mm -hmm. first had to start healing myself. And bulimia was my expression. It was a physical manifestation of me shoving all my emotions down as a big emotion, emotional gifted child to like highly sensitive child to be mm -hmm. able to shove them down and then they would explode. And they explode in the form of control of controlling what I ate and put in my body. Yeah. Once I started on that journey, I removed myself from the environment of my parents and I found Pilates. Um, that changed the game because Pilates started to regulate my nervous system. I didn't know it was doing it then, but because Pilates, yoga, Qigong are all forms of exercise that activate your parasympathetic nervous system mm -hmm. because you're doing parasympathetic breathing as you're moving, I, was start, I, I, I got to train my nervous system. So if you've had trauma in your life, it's not necessarily just a mental thing. It's a biological, physiological wiring thing. Yes. And so I work with my clients somatically on using breath work, using some Pilates even, some Pilates tools nice. from 13 years of teaching to incorporate those alignment, breathing, breath periods to re-regulate the nervous system again because that – is necessary for being able to change your actual physiological identity. Because the quickest mm -hmm. way to change your emotional state is to change your physiology. So you can do that through like jumping jacks or like to ch actually change your emotional state. But if that's for the short term, right. but for a long-term fix, you have to learn how to regulate your nervous system from that sympathetic fight, flight, freeze response into, which is f fine and healthy in certain situations. Mm -hmm. Like we want to have that like bit of like, Ooh, yes, that little bit of like fight. I'm going to get this project done like right before like the deadline. We want to have that little bit of fight if we're like on the soccer field chasing the ball and we're like going to go a little bit faster to just like kick it in the goal. We mm -hmm. want that. It's not bad. It's just it can't – it's not supposed to be on all the time. Yeah. We're supposed to have a regulation and an oscillation back mm -hmm. into – and a deregulation into the parasympathetic nervous system. And so Pilates taught me from a biological perspective – how to regulate my nervous system. And I started to feel calmer, confident, and I was put in a leadership position. And I was surrounding myself with 10 clients a day for four years initially when I first started teaching. Every day, five days, five to six days a week, mm -hmm. learning different belief systems. So, so that's why, Amber, I love podcasts like yours and communities that you're building because exposing yourself to different communities, to different belief systems, to different perspectives mm -hmm. is essential to growth. Because yes. what I realized was, oh, that person has the same background as I did, and yet they are happy, joyful, love their life in an amazing relationship. Like, what did they do right? Uh -huh. Like, what do I need to adopt that they have? Yes. And so I allowed myself to get curious, to stop being so freaking judgmental. <laughs> yeah. about myself specifically <laughs> mm -hmm. and others mm -hmm. and allowed myself to get curious to start questioning, well, if they believe that, what if I believe that? Like, what do I actually believe? What do I believe about my body? Like, I, I remember I had one woman, she came to me with a stack of magazine pictures back when, you know, we back had, when we all read magazines. Back when we all read <laughs> magazines instead of scrolled through Instagram and uh -huh. Pinterest. Mm -hmm. And she brought me a stack of magazines and she's like, it was her it was her initial lesson. She's like, Oh, I want my deltoids to look like this. And I was like looking at her and I was like, You realize that you already do. And she's like, No, no, no. Don't you see the tonality here and here? Mm. And I was like, You don't even see your own reflection. Yeah. And that was when I started to realize I was like, how much of me am I actually missing in the mirror? And mm. that changed the game from my own perspective. Yeah. Because when I saw that. I started looking at like, how do I actually want to see myself? Like, do I actually want to be skinny or what does skinny actually feel like? Because feelings trump thinking every time. 
And I, I, so I started to think of instead of the goals that I want, what would it feel like if I, what am I, what is the feeling that I'm actually chasing? Am I wanting to feel more content? Am I wanting to feel peaceful? Am I wanting to feel whole? Am I wanting to feel happy, joyful, loving, abundant? And what do, what do I want food to feel like? And so I started mm -hmm. rehealing and integrating these experiences and banishing the blame that I had for my father because I had to recognize for 10 years, it wasn't him sticking my finger down my throat. That was me. That was my choice. Yeah. I had to take ownership for that. And so that experience of going through bulimia changed me and transformed me. And through teaching Pilates and being in a leadership position, I had to lead from a space of authenticity mm -hmm. and transparency because I wasn't going to teach them or coach them on their nutritional issues. Like I was like, <laughs> I'm not the person to ask for that. But I do have a process that will make you feel really good and confident in your body. So yeah. I learned about living into your zone of genius, having a process that works, trusting that your own results are a case study enough mm -hmm. for transformation. Within a year I, that I first started teaching, I became the highest booked, highest paid, youngest instructor at the studio that I was freelancing at. And that and I do think that that's because I was teaching from a completely authentic place. I wasn't mm -hmm. saying like, I've always been like this. I'm a fitness right. freak. Like, I'm like, no, I used to like hate my body, n not be able to run a mile and being able to lead from that place of like, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm perfecting. And I found a process that has helped me do it. Let me teach that process for you. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast. Yeah. It's to, yeah. It's to show people that none of us is perfect. Perfect doesn't exist. And we all have all kinds of wounds and experiences that we've had to overcome and heal from. And that it just, it really helps everyone going, you know, helps them cope with what they're going through when yeah. we get to hear these stories. So thank you for sharing that. How long have you been, I don't know what the terms are, but is it, is it in recovery? They you? say in recovery, but I hate okay. that terminology. I like, kind of don't I've like it either. Falling out with the eating disorder community. Cause I was like, <laughs> I disagree with that terminology because that, that a, a caterpillar doesn't, a butterfly does not turn back into a caterpillar. A butterfly is not in recovery from being a caterpillar. Yes. They're transformed. It. They're transformed. different. It's a different human. It's a yeah. different person. And physiologically, our bodies are magnificent and they can repair. You can basically have a new cellular body in 15 years like uh -huh. or less. That's if you change your environment, your habits, your identity, your belief systems, your feelings, and the way that you constantly show up. If you're still showing up and you're still in the same environment and you're still feeling all the same negative feelings, then you're going to repeat the cycles. Mm -hmm. You're going to repeat the cycles and the paradigms of what you grew up with. Yeah. But if you choose to remove yourself from the environment in some way, it can be a, an emotional removal because sometimes I know that you can't necessarily like leave your house, <laughs> but yeah. you can close the bedroom door, listen to a podcast, remove yourself from the environment and the programming that's currently disrupting, that's currently plagiarizing who you actually are at your soul. Mm, we're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah. So, okay. So how long have you been transformed from- The so transformed yeah. has been uh, 12 years now. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, it was yeah. when I was on the Miss California pageant. Surprisingly, it's a story for another day, but being yeah. a huge piece of my own transformation, okay. um, which is weird. People are like, didn't that trigger your eating disorder? I was like, no, it made it better. <laughs> like, but it's because I found a group of and a community of women who were ambitious, who cared deeply, who wanted to serve yeah. the world, who wanted to wear crowns and wear beautiful dresses, who wanted to do amazing things for this world and look freaking good doing it. And I was like, that's who I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. it was Miss California 2000, not 2012, Miss California 2011, 2010 pageant. And I was in it and I was walking out in the swimsuit in front of 4,000 people. Oh my God. For the first time in my life. And I felt so freaking amazing. The awesome. crowd like roared up. I felt this like goosebumps all over my body. And I stood in front of those judges and I was like, I don't fucking care what you think of me. Oh, that's so good. I, I crowned myself. Yes. Yeah. And that is <laughs> that day. I was like, I don't, I don't need your validation. I got my own. Like, and that was when I knew I was free. I was done with that. Mm. And so, and from there, that, that was also what inspired the title of my company for five, six years later. 
Yes, that's awesome. Oh my gosh, great, great story. I, I have nothing against beauty pageants as long as the participants are totally willing and it boosts their confidence and boosts their self-image. I, I think that's amazing. I um, definitely aspired stuff like that earlier on in my life. I have nothing against it. And your story is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you just mentioned a few minutes ago before that about the plagiarized programming. And so mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? So we all, we, we've heard of plagiarism, right? Yeah. Like we all know plagiarism. It's like you can get kicked out of college for plagiarizing someone's work. It's copying someone else's work. Mm -hmm. Well, to survive, the universe designed us to where we are biologically wired to copy other people's behaviors for survival. Our subconscious mind doesn't know that that is a good behavior or a bad behavior. It just knows this is what's going to allow me to survive. Mm -hmm. And so that is why we can buy into belief systems that are that allow us to survive at the level that we're at. And we will always survive at the level of our present identity. Like mm -hmm. that's what we're, 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 our bodies are like a thermostat and not just our bodies, but our identity is like a thermostat. And so if the temperature gets too hot, the thermostat kicks in and turns on the AC. If the temperature is too cold, then the thermostat will turn off the AC so that we stay regulated at that particular temperature. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's our plagiarized programming. It's keeping us regulated at this particular temperature. We may not like the temperature. We may complain about it, but Complaining also gets us validation for being at that temperature, which feeds our ego. Mm. Um, so the plagiarized programming, it's buying into the beliefs, behaviors, habits, systems, environmental structure that society, parents, people, teachers, mentors, coaches have taught you. Mm -hmm. And that's why I... I encourage my clients, because I am not at all about a codependent <laughs> coaching model, I am about uh -huh. an independent autonomous coaching model where I basically tell my clients, I want to be put out of a job for a time until you re are ready to up-level again. But the ability to change that programming that they're choosing to buy into. So the belief system that I had growing up was that I was broken, damaged, and a victim, and that I would never be enough. Mm -hmm. And that was the same programming that my father had. That was a, a not necessarily the program that my mother had. My mother was more the not enough, the shame, the guilt, and and programming from that space. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, maybe if I achieved enough, then then I would feel worthy. Then I would feel enough. And so maybe if I was skinny enough, or pretty enough, or talented enough, or got enough A's, or you know, did all the enoughnesses. Then, then I would be enough. Then my dad mm -hmm. would stop drinking. Then like life would be great. That's not how it works. Nope. So looking at the plagiarized programming, what are those behavior systems that you borrowed or adopted from your family, from your parents, from your brothers, from your sisters, from your cousins, uncles, mentors, teachers, and society? Mm -hmm. um, a big one that I've started working on with a lot of clients is the plagiarism from the patriarchy. Um, yes. Of uh, the generational plagiari plagiarized programming of women not being able to make a certain amount of income mm -hmm. or that, you know, we need to be in our place or that we, you know, need to tone it down or not be too girly. And, oh, dear God, forget being feminine. We have to be this masculine order and build structure like a man yeah and you can't be both that's yeah you know it, you can't you can't be you can't have masculine energy and be really feminine none exactly. of those things are true yeah <laughs> all bullshit plagiarized mm -hmm. programmed belief that are generational beliefs mm -hmm. so i mean we as women if you have money struggles it may not just be you it may be a generate it could be what you learned from your parents it could yeah. be what you've learned and just, you know, your failures and successes that you've had along the way of building, growing careers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It could be those stories. It could also be a generational story because studies and science shows that generational trauma in the DNA is there for about five to seven generations. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's so, I mean, that's mind blowing. I yeah. mean, if, if we, if more people had this information, it would help us in so many ways. We wouldn't be victims, hopefully. We're not going to fall into the victim. Like, well, it's just my my genes. <laughs> but yeah, it'll help us understand. It helps to know that information, what you just said about the generations. It helps you understand it isn't all 
you. You are enough already. Yeah. And the high achiever mentality, it's like they don't want to fall victim of, oh, it's just my genes. Yeah, right. So then it's typically like, oh, well, what did I do wrong? And I'm like, well, what if, what if you just had a little compassion and grace and you take 100% ownership for buying into that belief for as long as you did? Mm-hmm. And society takes 100% ownership for continuing to perpetuate that belief. Yes. <laughs> and we yes. separate the ownership. You get 100% ownership and they get 100% ownership. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's, 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 so that way it's not being a victim of it. It's not like, oh, I'm giving away all of my ownership of that experience. No, 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 no. Society also needs to take its 100% ownership for perpetuating that belief. Mm-hmm. As we, as women specifically, need to take ownership for buying into that belief. Mm -hmm. And thus, once we choose to no longer buy into it, we get to A, shift into that creator mode, create our new circumstances, and Mm -hmm. B, disrupt the freaking system and B, step in from, step away from being that villain and into the challenger, challenge the system and then help our fellow ladies rise. Move and then move on, move on and forward. Move on, yeah. <laughs> move up right and on. And... No curses, done. Done, exactly. Yeah, okay. So, and then you also said, this is really interesting to me, we should never put our goals or our identity on a pedestal. What do you mean by that? <laughs> and why? <laughs> why shouldn't we do that? <laughs> so I did an experiment a couple years ago where I took all of the awards, accolades, trophies, marathon ribbons, posters of the film that guy got produced back in 2012 and like, you know, all of these things that I was so proud of mm-hmm. that validated who I was, that validated me. Now, there are two pieces that I work with on specifically. The validation piece and not being not validating enough but that's the ego the ego is like you're not enough you're everything <laughs> and yes. like, and so being like i i just decided that i was letting my past define me too much mm-hmm. and i just did an experiment what if i put those all away and only focused on who i'm creating myself to be on what the future awards that i want the future accolades and the reason why i say especially for women and any of my clients that i've worked with who are in more middle life. I don't think, I personally don't think 40, 50 is middle life. Um, I think, <laughs> I think that we are going to be living much longer in the next mm-hmm. couple decades, but in that, I'm going to say quarter life. Um, there you go. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, I'm going to live forever. <laughs> um, but the, that age typically they've, they've experienced some success to a level that they've also experienced some failure. Mm-hmm. And when we put that success up on the pedestal or when we're at that level of success currently, then there is a fear that comes with going on a pedestal of like, well, what if I, what if I have to come down from this? And pedestals, if you think of the metaphor, it's not a very sturdy surface, especially depending upon how high you put it up. Mm -hmm. So I'm all about celebrating your wins. I am all about training your reticular system, activating system in your brain to recognize and celebrate the wins and the improvements and the growth every single day. Mm -hmm. But when we put our success on a pedestal and we think, oh, we're at this certain level, it actually prevents us from doing the exact things that allowed us to get successful in the first place, which typically involve acts of courage and the ability Mm -hmm. to take risks. Typically, when you're on a pedestal and you put your success on a pedestal, you're at a stage of comfort. And it's that comfort space where it's like, well, I don't want to lose anything, but I, I, I want to gain, but I just want to gain without the fear of like losing. Mm-hmm. And what if you just had your feet on solid ground and just kept for- kept moving forward? Yeah. Like, and so, and what I've seen with, with clients who have put their success on a pedestal mm-hmm. and fallen drastically off, then they have an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Of, well, I must be a failure. And yeah. I'm like, your bio doesn't say you're a failure. Your bio says you've started like 12 companies. Your bio says that you have done like 4 million in sales. Your yeah. Like, and I said, the problem is, is that when we put the success on the pedestal, we only feel the failures. Mm-hmm. The truth is, 
in the middle. Oh my God. I wish that I would have met you before 2020. (laughs) I know exactly how that feels. I had grown this amazing massage business over 17 years. I had the income I wanted. I had this everything I wanted. I loved it. It was like who I was. Mm -hmm. It was on a pedestal. Like this this is like just this amazing thing that I can do and this gift I have. And then 2020, (laughs) that pedestal crashed and took me with it. And I had a major identity crisis. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was huge. I'm just, just now crawling out of that. All my goals attached to that on that pedestal. And when it fell, it fell into a hole and it took me with it. So I wish I would have met you before that, but I'm happy for the people listening that they get to hear this hopefully before that happens to them. (laughs) Yes, for sure. And the benefit is, is that now you recognize it. And so with what you're building now and with what you're creating, you have the wherewithal to be like, oh, am I making this business my identity? Am I making Mm -hmm. this success my identity? Yeah. Because when we attach our identity to success or failure, we are in for a world of hurt both ways. Totally. Whereas when you can redefine what success is, what does it really mean to live successfully? Does it mean you get like accolades and awards? Perhaps. Like there's nothing wrong with that. For some people. Yeah, definitely. But what like, does it mean that you are waking up feeling fulfilled and joyful? Does, Does it mean that you are feel like you're contributing to this world and bringing value? Yeah. Instead of defining success as something that we have to achieve, what if what if it is something that we we are naturally? Yeah. Because I think we are all naturally successful. We just we're gonna I'm take it back to your plagiarized programming. We're taught that we're not unless yeah. we reach a certain level on a certain a certain way. Like it's all about money, right? I talk about success with people all the time and I know that people instantly go to money. Yeah. It's success isn't all about money. Success may not have anything to do with money for some people. I have seen many quote unquote successful people burnt out, divorced, mm-hmm. having affairs. Yes. Having their children have some serious like mental health issues mm-hmm. because they define success by their external environment of money. Mm-hmm. Whereas what if success is the stillness inside of you, that, that peace that ability yeah. for you to move gracefully between the dance between work life and home life and and feeling the joy of being fully present in the moment mm-hmm. like in this moment i feel so successful like that's that's my definition of success is am i bringing my full presence my engagement am i serving at the level that i desire to be serving at mm-hmm. and if i'm not i can always Check myself. <laughs> I can yeah. always evaluate. But it does come with with that constant questioning and curiosity, allowing yourself to have the courage to question because it does take guts to reevaluate your identity because our identity is like, we want to hold on to that. Like your brain naturally, like it's it's not like woo-woo. It's your your brain physically wants to hold on to those neurological pathways that are like connected to those beliefs and it fights back (laughs) and it will fight back and if you know how to be okay with it and one of the Mm -hmm. one of the ways that I like to do is I like to literally have a conversation with it whenever I feel like I'm stepping into a new level um like just last week I was at a mastermind with oh my gosh some brilliant brilliant minds and Mm -hmm. I was like oh my gosh I felt so nervous and I was like am I am I supposed And I had to, I had to like have a conversation with myself and be like, whoa, okay, Kim, are you a visionary? Yes. Do you have a big vision for this future and for this world? Yes. Did they approve you? Yes. (laughs) Did they say you can come into this community? Yes. Did they say you're a fit? Yes. So why you doubting? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. So you still have the, you still have these human emotions. Your brain still fights back. Queen and human. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So queen, I want to know some tips. Someone listening today, how can they start cultivating this type of confidence within themselves? So first get curious. Okay. Get curious. Look around you. 
Look at your environment. Because the worst place that you, the hardest place to change from is the lack of, uh, is unconscious incompetence, meaning lack of awareness, meaning you don't know what you don't know. And so you think you know it all. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the hardest place to change from. So once you start getting curious, and I'm sure that everyone who's already in your community has already started getting curious about like, what new solutions are there out there? There's got to be better. Yes. Got to be better. And so look at like what's in your environment. What do you like? What do you not like? What's making you feel energized? What's making you feel depleted? So for example, I started just examining like my daily habits and behaviors. And my husband and I would regularly like have a glass of wine at night and just have that with dinner. And I started to realize like I'm feeling like really lethargic in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I got a baby and a business and a four-year-old and bike riding and soccer practice and launches. And I'm like – I'm going to try like doing two workouts a day and cutting out wine at night. Feel amazing. I'm 10 days in and I'm like, it's epic. But it was because I got curious. I didn't get judgmental of being like, well, why do you feel like you need to give up wine? Why do you feel like, is that a problem? Is it some like, that's the judgmental voice that starts Uh to go off in your head versus like, and oh, you're exercising twice a day. Is that a problem? Like, does that like, no, that's just just shitty thinking. Uh Like, so instead getting curious, allowing yourself to just question like what is making me feel good? And if you've had past trauma, sometimes we can be so accustomed to living in struggle and suffering mm-hmm. that we don't know what makes us feel good. I know I didn't for a while. So what makes you feel not that bad? Like what makes you feel a little better? Like maybe it's that bubble bath. Just starting to notice the physiological sensations of like, what are the things that you're eating and fueling your body with, mm-hmm. doing with your body? What are the things that you're de- donating your time to? Are they energizing and uplifting you or are they exhausting you? You know, as as a mother, the baby can be exhausting. And that's Fact. why, oh, okay, <laughs> this is a moment that I need to delegate this lovely screaming child to my husband. <laughs> And like, this is something that, you know, the co-founder of my children, (laughs) (laughs) the being able to just recognize what is it that, that is feeling good, feeling not good and getting into in tune with that intuition and that curiosity because curiosity Mm -hmm. is the the gateway drug to intuition. And so allowing yourself to get curious first, then start asking different questions. So Instead of asking why questions, why does this always happen to me? Why does this, why why do I feel this way? Like why is a good, is is an okay place to get started, but sometimes if it's focused in the wrong direction, if it's focused in the face of like, why am I an idiot? Why, you know, all like, then it's just, your subconscious mind is going to go on a goose chase that's going to get every example from every moment that's like, oh, remember that time in fourth grade? Oh, remember when you said that thing in the meeting? Oh, remember that? And, And then you're like, oh, well, here's all the evidence that backs up that belief, being able to ask those what and how questions. What could I do differently in my morning to make me feel energized? And the worst thing, the thing that I never allow my clients to answer with is I don't know. Of course you don't know. You haven't done it. And Mm -hmm. the the second you say I don't know, you cut off your subconscious mind from finding possibility. So get uncomfortable with sitting in the discomfort of not knowing the answer. Because the thing is about shifting your identity is that you're going to have to be wrong about who you have been and how you have acted and the habits that you've had and the wrong, no one likes to be wrong. No one likes to be wrong. We see it all the time on Facebook. Like everyone has their opinion and everyone is right. (laughs) No one wants to be wrong. You allow yourself to get comfortable with the possibility of being wrong about who you have been so you can be right about who you're going to be. Then you have the the potential for transformation. Mm. Beautiful. When you're in that space, allow yourself to be wrong about not having an answer, about not knowing. Of course you don't know. And then get very clear on like what, what, what is it? Allow yourself to sit with, even if the question lingers for 30 minutes, two days, what could I do to make me feel energized in the morning? What could I do to make me feel less lethargic? Like what could I do to get, boost my energy up? 
allow yourself to just ask, the, continue to ask the question, continue to stay curious, continue to stay in that space. An answer will come that will be different than I don't know, because I don't know is it the ego's like basic like, no, shut I'm going to put, like, put a wall. Shut down. Here's your wall. Yeah. No go. Versus allowing yourself to be curious and it will find your subconscious mind will be like, well, remember that thing that that person said, or, oh, remember that book that you read like two years ago that you didn't put implement any of the things Well, that you could implement some of that stuff now. So it, your subconscious mind will remember, it'll have those, it'll make the connections if you allow it to make the connections. Mm -hmm. To give you a real quick example. I had a real estate uh, investor come to me two weeks before she was supposed to close on a property. She's like, Kim, I really need some help. And she's like, I will, you know, wave, wave a dead cat around my head, do, do sprinkle some, <laughs> like, I will do whatever you tell me to do. And I said, I think you need to change your language. Because she kept on saying, I don't have a, an investor. I don't have an investor. If your subconscious mind, let's just say hypothetically, is tied to collective consciousness, which now quantum physics is showing more and more how interconnected we are, then... If you believe, do you believe this deal is a good deal? She's like, yeah, I do. And I said, do you believe that any investor who looked at this would like be like, oh, that's a no brainer. She's like, oh yeah. And I said, so then you do have an investor. You just aren't aware of who they are. And she's like, oh, okay. I do have an investor. And she started changing. And within two weeks, she changed her life. She would go to networking events saying, oh, I have a great investor for this property. I'm so excited to meet him. <laughs> and, and it's like, oh, what property? Oh, I'm curious. Oh, it's a uh -huh. And it changed, it changed the game. She had an investor for the property. And that's the power of directing your subconscious mind with questions that allow for curiosity, possibility, and openness. Mm -hmm. And then allowing yourself to go through the bumpy, frumpy changes of making the mistakes and then allowing for the questions. Okay, we made a mistake. This happened. Well, what could I have done differently? How could I have been? Who do I need to be to do it differently? Did I need to be more responsible, more courageous, more disciplined, more um, more flexible? Like who, who do I really need to be? Maybe do I need to ask for more support? Because you're going to go through that phase of the bumpy, frumpy stage of making mistakes. Then you're going to get to the stage where you start catching yourself before you make the mistake, before you do that old habit, before you do that thing of who you were going to be. And so something that I like to say, especially in regards to changing a habit, mm -hmm. is that habit is who I was in the past. That habit is who I was. That was who I was. Like, I don't say I'm recovered from bulimia. I say I had bulimia because mm -hmm. it was something that I had. It's not something that who I was. It was not an identity. And that is a huge difference is when you can separate your identity from the things that are the habits. People say like, oh, you know, if you have the habit of smoking – well, what if you just started to shift your language, get curious, what's initially triggering, what's emotionally triggering that habit? Mm -hmm. And if smoking is something that's something you want to quit, which I'd highly recommend, but then who you were was a smoker. Mm -hmm. You had like, but smoking, that is, that is a habit. Disassociating your identity from the habits, behavior, and practices so that you shift into choosing and creating consciously that identity of who you desire to actually become. And who's the person that actually has, does, and is everything that you want to be, do, and have? Beautiful. All right. And I saw you have a ton of resources on your website. And I'm going to just say it again. It's crownyourself.com, which now we know the origin of. Uh, you got lots of resources on there. You have a Facebook community also. So I highly recommend people listening, go now and check that out. All the links will be in the show notes. But is there anything else that you want to leave my listeners with today? Just own your story. Own who you have been, because that's a big piece of it. Yeah. Have compassion, grace, forgiveness for the person you have been. Because here's the thing. We are all doing the best that we can with the resources that we have available. And that's why I love podcasts like yours. And I love having my own podcast, The Princess and the Bee, because these are opportunities to expand our resources because when you are focusing on choosing content that uplifts and inspires and champions and challenges you to grow, then you are learning new resources that will make you, shift you and change you into that person that you're wanting to become so that you have the power of your own choice and to choose who you want to be and not be a default to the plagiarized programming of what you grew up with. You don't have to be. You can no. have your own story. Yes. And we do all have a choice. And one last question for you, because yes. you just mentioned resources and you told me that you used a lot of books in your own personal healing journey. What's one of your favorite self-improvement books? 
15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership by the Conscious Leadership Group. Nice. You had that just like right in your pocket. It is my (laughs) go-to favorite, recommended to everyone, send it to their kids. The other series that I highly recommend, which I, as a mom, I read mm-hmm. um, to my kids, and I really technically it's also for my own subconscious reprogramming, is the What Do You Do series. What do you do with a problem? What do you do with an idea? What do you do with a chance? And it is a fabulous book series that is great. I've recommended it to adults to read to their dogs mm. or to read to your grandkids because you, as you start to read it, it will transform how you're perceiving problems, ideas, and giving you the courage to take some greater chances. Very cool. Kimberly, thank you so much for all of your wisdom, all of your just energy that I'm sure my listeners can feel right now. I feel it. Go out and spread it to the world. And that's what I want everybody to do right now. Spread this love out as soon as you're done listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Our stories may be different, but we all have one thing in common. We're all trying to figure out how to navigate life on this planet. And none of us have it completely figured out. No matter what you're going through in your life, just know that you are never really alone. Come back every Wednesday for more inspiration and connection. And follow me on Instagram at the Dragonfly Mama. So we can stay in touch between episodes.